Oh, thank you, the Lamb of God dying in our place. We're uh, going through the book of Philippians, okay? So if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn there. The scripture will also be up on the screen. And we're coming to chapter 2 now. And uh, we talked a lot uh, about uh, where Paul was when he wrote this epistle. And, and this is what's surprising. The, the epistle is all about joy. That's the theme of it. And where was Paul when he wrote the, the, this letter? He was in prison. Uh, most of us would not have selected uh, joy as the theme of a letter that we wrote from prison. It would probably be about injustice. It would probably be about grief and sorrow. But he wrote about joy. Now there's a second thing. Why did he write this letter to the Christians who were in Philippi? The reason is that the Christians there had lost their joy. They had had it at one time. Paul established that church. When he was there, there was great spirit of joy and thanksgiving. But now things have changed. And that's why he wrote in chapter 2 and verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving each other, working together with one mind and spirit. Do you ever get sarcastic? I do. Uh, I, I said one time, you know, well, I don't get sarcastic. And, and my son said, yes, you do. Do you ever get sarcastic? Well, I'm feeling a little better because every once in a while, Paul got sarcastic too. And did you catch that, what he's saying here? What he's saying, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, you Christians. Do you have any encouragement from the fact that you belong to the King of Kings? Do you have any fellowship? Do you have fellowship in the spirit or you want? Are your hearts tender and compassionate toward each other? Do you love one another? Are you working together? You see, those things ought to encourage us. And, and man, those are realities, and we ought to be full of joy. But the reality was they weren't loving each other. There wasn't a fellowship of the Spirit that they were enjoying. They weren't working together. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing. They weren't forgiving each other. Do you want joy? You know, here's one of the biggest things you need to do. You need to forgive the one you haven't forgiven. It's probably true that most of us have someone we haven't forgiven. And you haven't forgiven them because they don't deserve it. But the Lord tells us to forgive them. Forgive the one who doesn't deserve it. Forgive the one who's hurt you the most. Do you want joy to forgive? You want to be miserable? Well, then just don't forgive them like, you, like maybe you're doing. Don't forget. Blame them. It's their fault. Give them the silent treatment. And you'll look miserable. You'll feel miserable. And you'll make your family miserable. It's just a reality. And you see, that's sad. Because God created a paradise. God created a paradise where there was perfect joy for Adam and Eve. But now the world's full of sin. It's full of war. It's full of hatred. It's full of, it's full of diseases. 
physical diseases, to be sure, but spiritual ones too. And in verse 3, Paul uh, tells us about two deadly spiritual diseases that will kill our joy. Verse 2, don't be, excuse me, verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't, Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Now, the first spiritual disease there is an eye problem, but not E-Y-E, I. An eye problem is I want what I want. I want what I want more than what God wants, and certainly more than what others want, and more than others really need. Uh, Did you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters? And those brothers and sisters, one of them in particular, quarreled with Jesus, fought with Jesus all the time for 30 years. Didn't believe in him, opposed him. His name was James. But after Jesus was risen from the dead, James became a believer. And he realized all those years of fighting against Jesus was caused by something. And so in James, his letter, chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, what causes fights and quarrels? They come from our selfish desires. They come from the I problem. What's the middle letter in the word sin? I. We fight and quarrel because we have an I problem, a self that wants to get its way. A a self that wants to win every argument. Donna said that to me once. She said, you really like to to be right, and you like to win arguments. I said, I do not. (laughs) You know someone that wants to get their own way? You know someone with an eye problem? Someone who is always right? Someone who wants to win every argument? You're probably thinking of a person that fits that description. You know what? That, part, that person is probably thinking about you. Our eye problem. It robs us of the joy. A second spiritual disease that kills our joys is ADD. Attention Deficit Disorder. Now that's on the rise in America, isn't it? Okay? But I'm talking about spiritual ADD. Spiritual ADD is... All the, I want all the attention on me. That's when we make ourselves the center of the universe. Everything revolves around me. I, I call that uh, navel-gazing. Your, your navel's the center of your body, right? Well, when we make ourself the center of the world, of the universe... We're obsessed with our belly button. I want you to think about that, all right? And the reason is we think that if we think about ourselves and take care of ourselves and get our way and all that, that then we'll have joy. No, we won't. It'll kill our joy. Philippians 2, 3 in the Living Bible says, Don't live to make a good impression on others. And unfortunately, that's what social media is all about, isn't it? We post a picture, we, put, we post a comment that makes us look good. And now technology is 
made it very easy for us to promote me to people who are far away, so much so that we bury our head in our phone rather than seeing the people that are all around us. God created us to have joy. That's the life of a Christian. So, here in chapter 2, Paul moves very quickly from these diseases, you know, that infect us to the cure that heals us, from joy killers to joy givers. From, and so he gives many instructions here in this, in this short chapter, uh, uh, but I've, I've narrowed it down to 10, the 10 do's and don'ts of joy that he lists for us here. So let's get started. But verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests. Take an interest in others, too. There's the first one. Don't focus only on yourself. Try to forget yourself every once in a while. It's hard. It's really hard for us to do, to forget ourselves and think about others. It's not natural. We'll have to work at it. We have to ask God to help us with that. It's natural to focus on me and my problems all the time. But if you want joy, you have to do things that are not natural. Here's some things that aren't natural. Stop talking about yourself and listen to somebody else. Just stop. And when they're telling you, you're not, you know, when they're telling you about a problem or a situation in their life, you're not saying, hey, I can top that. Let me tell you about mine. Listen. Listen. Give some time every week to serving somebody else, to serving others. We have a lot of ministries here. If you don't know what to do, we can, we can help you. We can give you a, a thing so that you take your mind off of you and your problems and serve. And that gives joy. Here's another one. Give some money away rather than just spending it all on yourself. The only way not to be greedy is to give money away. And that's taking the focus off of ourselves. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, if you really want joy, then give instead of just being a getter. That gives us joy. Verse uh, 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So instead of focusing on ourselves, number two, focus on Jesus. And here it tells us what Jesus did, verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He's the son of God, and he took the position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. If you want joy, do what Jesus did. Number four, here's one. Don't demand the respect that you deserve. Every human being deserves to be respected. You do. Everyone around you does. The problem is we demand respect. And you know why that doesn't give us joy? Because you're not going to get respect from most people. They're consumed with themselves and their needs and their problems and all that's going on in their life. And, and if we think that others are going to respect us all the time, you're going to be unhappy. 
There's no joy in thinking you're going to get something that you're not going to get, is there? Don't demand the respect that you do deserve. And number five, don't demand your rights. These verses tell us that Paul, excuse me, that Jesus gave up his rights as God. In heaven, Jesus was adored and worshipped. On earth, he was despised. He was rejected. He was tortured. He was killed. And one of the reasons that uh, most Americans don't have joy is we demand our rights. We fight for our rights. We have the Bill of Rights, okay? We fight for them, don't we? Are people who are fighting, do they have a lot of joy? No. Fighting for something, demanding something, it takes away our joy. Jesus gave up his right for you and for me. Jesus was humble, it said. And, and that does not mean being a doormat. Letting people run all over you or take advantage of you. Humility just means doing things for others and not just for yourself. You realize that someone else is just as important and just as needy and just as valuable. Humility brings harmony. And harmony brings happiness and joy. Of course, the other side of, of humility is pride. If we're not humble, then we're proud. And you, did you know that in the Bible, 22 times it says that God hates those who are proud. God resists the proud. God opposes the proud. That's the opposite of humility. So while humility brings harmony and happiness, pride brings punishment, and that brings misery. Don't demand your rights. Verse 9, because Jesus did those things, because he did them for us, because he was willing to humble himself, he was willing even to die for us. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor, God gave Jesus the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will one day bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you want joy? Number six, remember the reward God gives. Remember the reward God gives. God resists the proud, but he gives what? To the humble. He gives grace. That, that's the reward. Well, that doesn't sound like a great gift, does it? Oh, yes, it is. It's the greatest gift of all. Do you know what grace is? It's God not giving us the punishment we deserve. And it's God giving us the blessing we don't deserve. I mean, that includes everything. That's Grace is the ultimate gift. And that's the reward that God wants to give to those who honor his son. Verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only when I was, not only in my presence, not only when I was there and I started the church and I was your pastor for a while, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, but now much more in my absence, do this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you want to be physically healthy, 
you've got to work out, don't you? Uh, how many of you work out? I, I, I should have said, don't raise your hand, all right? You're making the rest of us feel bad, okay? And I mean, and we know who works out and who doesn't. I mean, you, you just look at each other and tell that, okay? But remember, it, working out. If you want to be physically healthy, you've got to work out, all right? Now, if you want to be healthy emotionally, what do you need to do? You need to work on your relationship. If you want to be healthy spiritually, you need to work out. You need to work out. Now, that's number seven. Work out your salvation. Now, we got to stop because, you know, this verse is debated. It's often misunderstood. It's very important. And it's really, I think it's simple. Paul didn't say work for your salvation, did he? Because we can't. We, we can't earn it. I mean, we can try to work for it, but we can't earn it. He didn't say work for your salvation. He said work out your salvation. Now, see, we can't save ourselves by good, by good works. We can't save ourselves any more than a, you know, a, a person that's drowning in the ocean can grab themselves by the hair and lift themselves out and take their, themselves to shore. No, they need a Savior, and we do too. We don't earn our salvation by our good works. But if we are saved, then we're called to do good works. And that's what God's telling us. That's what Paul's writing here. God tells us to work out our salvation. That means to work on it every day, to live it out. And that's important because, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, all you have to do to be a Christian is just to do, one, do a religious ritual. I, uh, years ago, I was, in, uh, I was talking with this young lady, and, and uh, I found out that she was, she was 16, and uh, she hated her parents, and, and her, every other word was a curse word, and, and uh, she was pregnant and unmarried, and, and, and she had taken some drugs, and I knew the conversation was going to be kind of short. And I said, I got right to her, I said, if you were to die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? She said, oh, absolutely. She kind of stunned me by her answer because, you know, just kind of the way she lived and the way she talked and everything. I said, you are? She said, well, absolutely. I was baptized when I was a baby. And you see, a lot of people think, it, you know, that there are religious rituals. And if you do those, like if you get baptized or if you join a church or if you get confirmed or you pray a sinner's prayer, you know, if you do the religious ritual, it's kind of like an initiation ceremony. You're in, okay? But Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. It's not something that one act, one step gets us in, and then we're right with God and living for God. Christianity is not one step. It's many steps. We're called to walk with Christ. That's a daily step. We're following Jesus. We know that if you want to be physically healthy, you need to work out. Well, you know, I know a lot of people that are physically healthy. I know a lot of people who work out, and they're in good shape physically. But they're miserable emotionally, relationally. That's a reality. And it's good to work out. 
our body, but it's more important to work out our spirit. Your body is not going to live forever. Your spirit is. If you want joy, work on your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ every day. It's not a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. It's a 24-7 thing. How do we work out our salvation? Well, verse 12, he says, as you have obeyed him, we need to obey God. And a lot of people think that, you know, obeying God takes away all our fun. No, it brings joy. Uh, how many of you have a smartphone? How many of you have a smartphone that makes you feel like a dumbbell? You know, most of us get our smartphone, and it comes in a box, and then there's this owner's manual. How many of you have had issues with a, with a smartphone? You know, trying to figure something out just wouldn't work right. How many of you have read the manual? One. All right, thank you. You know, God's Word's the owner's manual. It's a manufacturer's manual. He tells us how we can operate at peak performance, okay? But a lot of times we don't read it or do it. You know, <laughs> it's just amazing how many times people have said, my smartphone doesn't work right. Yes, it does. They just don't know how to use it. They haven't read the manual. They're not following the instructions. There's a lot of people that say, hey, this Christianity, it doesn't work right in the real world. Yes, it does. But have you read the manual and are you doing it? Obey. Obey. Verse 12, it also says, work out your salvation, your Christian life, with fear and trembling. And, and friend, please understand, God doesn't want you to be scared to death all the time. That's not what it means, fear and trembling. God doesn't want you to be scared of him. God wants you to be scared of sin. Think about Adam and Eve. What if they hadn't disobeyed? Would their lives have been any better? Absolutely. They wouldn't have been separated from God. They wouldn't have had start fighting and had conflict with each other. They wouldn't have had their oldest son kill their youngest son. We ought to fear the consequences of disobeying God love God with all our heart and mind because he wants to give us joy. <clears throat> if you, um, I'm sure this is true, uh, and it, you have something coming up and it's really, really important. It's, it's something that really matters. Maybe it's a job interview. Well, did you prepare for that? Did you look forward to that? Did you have a sense of anticipation for that? Maybe you were giving an important speech. Maybe it was your wedding. Maybe the birth of your baby. For months and months you worked on it. Why? Because it mattered. Does your eternal life matter? Yeah, then work on it. Work on it and get the joy. If you live your life for God, then your everyday life, your work life, your relationship life, it all matters. And when you do, it gives joy. Verse 13 tells us why. For J 
God is working in you. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to carry out his perfect plan for your life, to fulfill his good purpose for you. Live your life relying on God's power because he's promised to give it to us. God wants to give you the energy and the power to succeed and have joy in your life through his Holy Spirit. He comes to live in us. And the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, is the joy. And if, and if we don't have that joy, then we're not letting his Holy Spirit empower us. You see, this is just so important because life will just sap the strength right out of you. Your work, your problems, your health, the finances, the family responsibilities. I mean, you know, that just drains you. Other people will drain you too. Not just problems. Other people will sap, sap your joy. And, and don't settle for, you know, that up and down, up and down, up and down kind of life. You're up when good, down when problems. Let the Holy Spirit energize you and empower you. If you're tired of all that, rely on God's power because he brings joy. Work out. Work, work out. It's worth it. Work out, but number eight, don't get worked up. That's what he says there in verse 14. Do everything without grumbling. Do everything without arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped world, in a corrupt generation. Don't get worked up, and you will if you grumble. You will if you grumble. And we all do. I do that. I do that about our government. I do that about the economy. I do that about cost of health care. Okay, grumbling. Does grumbling bring joy? No, it doesn't. It robs you of the joy if you do that. This is important. Grumbling doesn't make a problem go away. It makes the joy go away, but not the problem. Grumbling takes our focus off of our loving Heavenly Father and puts it on unloving people around us, which is going to bring you joy. And then it says, don't get worked up grumbling or arguing. Arguing is taking grumbling to the next level. Arguing is taking our grumbles to the person that we think is our problem. And we argue with them. Now, I want you to think about the arguments that you've had. How many of them brought you joy? Right? Think about the last argument you had with your husband or wife. Did you enjoy that? Did you get finished and say, man, honey, wasn't that wonderful? Let's do that again. Let's do this every night because this is just this is just so exciting and wonderful. Does grumbling and arguing does it give you joy? Absolutely not. It robs you of joy. I heard about a, a country church in, out in the western states, and uh, and it was in a state where men wore cowboy hats. They just wore them everywhere to everything, and they would wear them in church, of course. And so then the church kind of had this, well, should we wear our hat, our hats inside? And, and so they had the congregational meeting, and, you know, half of the church wanted to put up pegs, and so 
when the men came in, they were supposed to put their cowboy hat on the peg, and the other half had said, no, no, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not taking off our hats. We're going to wear them. We wear them wherever we go. And so the church, you know, they had the peg part of the church and the no peg part of the church, all right? This, this, is, a, this is a true story. The church divided over this. Do you think that church fulfilled the mission God gave us to be witnesses, to go make disciples, to love one another? Absolutely not. And that can happen in a church. It's so sad. Grumbling and arguing. When we, de- when we decide, God, help me by your power. I do not want to grumble and argue. Then what happens, verse 15? Then you will shine among them, among the world, like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ. Paul writes that my, my ministry there, my time with you planting that church there, it wasn't in labor, it wasn't in vain. So that's number nine. You want joy? Then become a star. Now, most Americans want to be stars. You know, football stars, baseball stars, movie stars, dancing with the stars. You know, we just, we want to be stars. Okay? And parents? Most of you want your children to be stars. You kind of want to live out your unfulfilled dreams in them. Okay? You want them to be brilliant scholars or athletes or whatever. That's why you spend so much money on those lessons. That's why you have them involved in just so many things, okay? What does verse talk about? That that can be, quote, all in vain. They, They may, you may get some glory out of that, but how long will that glory last? And who will that glory be for? It'll be gone. The real question is, how many of us want to be stars shining for God, for the Lord Jesus Christ? Because, see, that matters, and that will never be lost. It'll last for all of eternity. That's joy. That's real joy. That's eternal joy that the world can't give and the world can't take away. A lot of Christians think that Christianity is passive. You see, we're being told here that we work out our daily life with Christ. And when we do, that brings joy. Unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of people think that Christianity is just a passive thing. You know, you just show up one hour a week you know, on Sunday morning and you come and sit and listen. Great football players don't just play one day a week. They practice all week. And then when they win, it brings joy. All the hard work is more than worth it. And friend, any work we've done that we do for the cause of Christ will be worth it. And it brings joy. Verse 17. Paul's wrapping up. And he's thinking about (coughs) his future and theirs. And this is what he says. Verse 17, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, 
I'm glad and I what? Rejoice. I have joy. I'm here in prison. But when I think about what God is doing in and through you, I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul's saying it was worth it. It was worth it. Being in this prison can't rob me of the joy that I have in you. And so that's number 10. Do pour out your life as a drink offering. Now, the Philippians would have understood that, but, you know, we don't, all right? And sacrifice and some of the rituals, okay, of the, of the Christian, uh, they would have symbols like we do with communion. And we'll have communion next Sunday, and there'll be a cup, okay? Well, in their religious rituals, they're thanking Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross. They're remembering what he said at that Last Supper. They would have these, off, these drink offerings, so they, these cups of wine. The drink offering was the last part of the sacrificial offering. It was the best wine. It was the undiluted wine. And when, the, when, the, when it was poured, there was this sweet aroma that just pervaded the whole place. In our first church, uh, was in upstate New York, and we lived in fruit country. And uh, Donna had some friends who encouraged her to come with them to pick grapes and to make grape juice, to can it, to can those, those grapes. And Donna did. She worked hard. And a few months later, we invited over the church staff to come. So we said, this is the time to break out that beautiful, that mm, aroma, that sweet grape juice. We opened it up, and it had fermented. I almost lost my job that night. <laughs> no, it was, it was really, really funny, all right? But there was the aroma. And in fact, it wasn't hard, really hard yet. I mean, it was sweet. It was delicious. A month later, it was hard, all right? Forget that. Pour out your life as a drink offering. Friend, do you want joy? Don't hoard your life on yourself. Be willing to pour it out. Jesus did that for you. He asked us to get to have the joy of doing that to him and on others. Paul poured out his life, his own life, his literal life, to bring others to Jesus Christ and to help them get it. Did he have joy? He was full of joy, a joy the world can't give, a joy that the world can't take away. What's some next steps? What, I mentioned 10 of them here today. I'm sure God's spoken to every one of us. He's spoken to me about several of these. What's he spoken to you about? Is there some area of your life you really need to obey? You know, God's been telling you to do something, to forgive, to help, to serve, something. You haven't done it. Obey. Obey. Maybe it's complaining. If you're like me, it's easy to complain. It's robbing you of joy. Maybe it's arguing. You're in a battle with somebody. You want to do this, and they want to do that. They think this, you think that. It's not going to bring you any joy. 
How about relying on God's power? You know, we try to live this Christian life on our own. No, best thing you can do is every morning wake up and say, God, I need the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. Would you take over? Would you take over? Would you empower me? Live out your joy in my life. Whatever it might be, I don't know. Whatever God's talking about, do it, because he wants to give you joy. Near the end of his life, George Bernard Shaw, the famous playwright and uh, activist, very famous man. Someone asked him, Mr. Shaw, if you could live your life over, who would you choose to be? This is what he said. I would choose to be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. Don't come to the end of your life. Don't come to the standing before God wishing you'd been the person you could have been, the person God created you to be, the person you can be with the Holy Spirit of God living in your life. Father, we praise you. We praise you for Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, the choice to obey you or not, the joy that was set before him, he chose your will. And your will wasn't easy for him. It meant dying on a cross for all of us sinners so that our sin could be forgiven. So we could have a Savior. So we could follow someone through heaven's gates. Gates we can't open by our good works. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Father, for, uh, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. And thank you, Lord, that you send your spirit to live in us, the spirit of joy. God, our world needs to see that joy. And would you help me? Would you help me, God, in the areas where I do things that rob me of the joy? Help us all, I pray. And friend, if you're not absolutely sure you're going to heaven, if you think, well, I've tried to be good, well, God's thankful that you've tried to be good, but that can't earn your way to heaven. It could. God wouldn't have sent his son to die. That's the only way. Accept him today as your Savior. Walk with him. He's your Lord. He's the king. He's taking us through heaven's gates. Make sure you're walking with him. So, Father, we ask that you would do this work in us. And then you'll give us our, your joy. And we praise you in the name of Jesus.